It's Easter weekend. It's a weekend where we celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as I was praying and reflecting on what to share this weekend, I was just reminded of something. I've made a statement many times in my life. You might have said it yourself. You probably have read it somewhere. Maybe seen it on a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. It's a very popular saying, and it's this. Jesus died for you. How many of you have ever seen that somewhere, heard it, or said it even yourself at some point? And that's absolutely true. Jesus did die for you. But I'm reminded of the fact, that as I was praying this week, that Jesus didn't just die for you. Of course he did. But how many of you know his death was not mysterious? He, he did not die by accident. He, he didn't die by some sickness or some illness. Jesus did not commit suicide. Listen to this. Jesus was killed. Jesus was killed. He, he, he did lay down his life. He said, hey, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. But think about it. When he laid his life down, he was killed. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he begins to warn them and talk to them. And he begins to tell them about the things that the scribes and the Pharisees and the things that he is going to suffer and be killed. Jesus was killed. He was killed. And so if he was killed, then there is guilt. Huh? If, he's, if he was killed, then there's somebody to blame. If Jesus was killed, then it was somebody's fault. Huh? There's, there's somebody that needs to pay the price for that. There, there is somebody that, that should be held accountable. There is somebody that should be guilty of his death. If he was killed, then, then there's guilt to lay at somebody's feet. Huh? If you've seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson, when he gets to the crucifixion scene, he, he is the director of the movie, of course, and he makes sure that in the one scene where Jesus' hand is shown up close and right before they get to where the spike is placed through Jesus' hand, Mel Gibson makes sure that it is actually his hand, the director's hand. He himself is the one holding the nail in that particular scene because he wants the world to know that it was his sin. He is guilty. It was his sin that actually nailed Jesus to the cross. It's my sin. It's your sin. We're the ones that are guilty. So how do you handle that kind of guilt? Because it can be overwhelming. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. There is a price to pay for sin. How do you, how do you handle that kind of guilt? How, how, do, you, how do you just deal with, with the fact that there's sin and there's guilt and there's blame? People handle guilt in, in different ways. In Matthew chapter 27, you find that, that the story is where Pilate is faced with the opportunity to sentence Jesus to death. And so he, he brings Jesus and a notorious criminal before the crowd. And he has Barabbas, which was a prisoner, who was guilty on all counts. And then he has Jesus, who is sinless guiltless. And he says to the crowd, who do you want me to release? 
thinking that they were going to shout back Barabbas, but instead they shouted back, give us, a, shout back Jesus, but instead they shouted, give us Barabbas. Give us, give us this criminal. So what do we do with Jesus? And they screamed out, crucify him. So Pilate has them bring out a bowl of water. Listen to what he did in Matthew chapter number 27, starting in verse number 24. It said, when Pilate saw that he could not uh, prevail at all, he said, but rather he had washed his hands. Listen, he took a bowl and he took water and he just washed his hands. And he said, his blood is not on me. And they screamed out in verse 25, let his blood be upon us and on our children. He tried to, Pilate tried to just wash away the guilt. There's different ways that we handle guilt. Some handle guilt. The first way I think about it is that they make excuses for it. They just make excuses. They just, they just say, well, you know, it's not really my fault. It's, it's the childhood that, that I experienced. It's the environment that I grew up in. It's society's fault. It's the government's fault. I mean, you know, after all, I mean, look at my parents. This is just the way they raised me. That's just the way I am. I'm just a product of my upbringing. They, they look at the little things, huh, the little white lies that we tell and say, well, there's really no harm in them. Guilt comes because we all transgress, we all sin, we all have faults, we all have failures. And so guilt comes and we say, how do I handle it? The first thing I do is I try to place the blame somewhere else. I just think to myself, well, you know, everybody lies every now and then. I remember as a child, my next door neighbor came over and she had a, a new diamond ring on her finger. And she comes over, she wanted to show my parents this, this diamond ring, and she just shows it to us. And let me tell you, you could not find a more fake-looking ring than the one she had on her finger. It looked like a big piece of plastic was just plopped right on her hand, like she'd gotten out of a gumball machine and just turned it, and that's what came out. And she said, look, it, it, it's a cubic zirconia. It looks so real. And we're looking at it like, what? My dad. And she looks at my dad. She says, doesn't it look real? My dad goes, yeah, sure does. Wow, can't tell the difference. And when she left, I looked at my dad. I said, dad, you lied to her. And he looks at me and says, son, sometimes you just got to lie, you know? So we justify it. We, we think to ourselves, well, you know, everybody does that. Everybody cheats on their taxes, fudges at least a little bit, huh? And so it's easy for the little things sometimes to shift the blame. I mean, listen, when Adam was confronted with sin, what did he do? The first thing he did is uh, woman. It was the woman. It was the woman you gave me. I've tried that many times with God. It's Cynthia's fault. It's all her. She made me get angry. But the truth is, is that if you live long enough, you reach a point where you really can't place the blame on anybody else. If you live long enough, you, you understand that, hey, you know what? It's my fault. I did it. I, I can't place the blame on anybody else. I mean, I'm old enough to, to know better. I, I knew what I was doing when I did it, and I did it anyway. And at some point, you look in the mirror, and you have nobody else to blame. You cannot 
shift the blame to anybody else. You cannot pass the buck. You have to look in the mirror and you have to say to yourself, it is all my fault. I did it. I said it. I did it. I thought it. I acted upon it. It's all me. At some point you just have to accept what you did. And that's when the second way we handle guilt comes in. And that's it. We have to carry it with us. You did it. Yeah, you did it. Oh, you know you did it. And now you have to live with it the rest of your life. You did it and now you have to carry the weight of it. Huh? The failed marriage, the, the poor parenting. Huh? The, the, the rebellion against your upbringing, the, the, the broken relationship, the business venture that went south. You know it's your fault and you have to carry the weight of that with you the rest of your life. And you try to achieve and you try to overcome and maybe even through, through counseling and different things, you try to get past the guilt, but you know when you put your head on your pillow that you are guilty and you are carrying that thing with you. And days and weeks and months get by, go by and you think that with the passing of time it's going to get better, but the truth is it doesn't get better. You carry all those failures, all those mistakes, you carry all that sin and that baggage with you into relationship, into relationship after relationship and you just keep carrying it with you. And you could try to wash your hands of it. You could try all sorts of remedy but there is nothing on this earth. There is no natural means, no worldly means of getting rid of the guilt. You have it. You are stuck with it. And let me tell you, it can be heavy. It can overwhelm your life can't believe I did that. What was I, what was I thinking? How could I have acted that way? How could I have said that? How could I have done that? And the weight of it can be overwhelming. You toss and turn at night, but you cannot get rid of the guilt. In 1986, there was a movie that came out called The Mission. And it is a movie about a slave trader in the 18th century, played by Robert De Niro and the character's name is Rodrigo. Rodrigo was a slave trader in South America and he was enslaving the indigenous Indians. But in a fit of rage, he kills his half-brother whom he loved dearly. And he's overwhelmed by the remorse. And he's burdened by it and it's too much for him to handle and all of a sudden, along comes a Jesuit priest. And this priest offers him penance. Penance is something that you do to pay for your sins. And the priest offers him penance. But the interesting thing about this movie is that Rodrigo does not think the penance is harsh enough. So he sentences him to a greater punishment. Whereas the priest offered him a chance to transform his life and change his life. Here's what Rodrigo sentences himself to. He takes the armor that represents his former life. And he bundles it up into a ball. And he ties a rope around the armor and around himself. And he sentences himself to a lifetime of dragging around the armor. 
See, I know people who live that way. They drag the baggage and the hurt and the pain and the failures and the mistakes of their past. They just drag it everywhere they go. And you see in that scene, there's a very young-looking Liam Neeson. This is before he had a daughter that was kidnapped and he, he becomes the baddest man on the planet. This is before that. And he tries to cut away. He, he tries to help. You know, but no matter who tries to help or how they try to help, sometimes people just keep going back to the baggage and the, the mistakes and the failures because there's no earthly remedy for it. So the only thing that you can do with guilt instead of making excuses for it or just carry it with you the rest of your life, the third thing you can do is this. You can release it to God. Hallelujah. I said you could just release it to God. Everything you've done, all your mistakes, all your failures, you just release it to God. You say, God, this is overwhelming. This is too heavy. The burden is just too heavy for me. I can't carry this thing the rest of my life. I just have to release this to you. Amen? Just release it to God. See, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, it says that Christ's blood... Here's what it does. It actually sprinkles, in other words, it cleanses us or it makes our conscience, that guilty conscience that we're carrying around, all that baggage, it makes our guilty conscience clean. Hallelujah. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that Christ, a God made Christ who had never sinned, him who knew no sin, to become a sin sacrifice, an offering, a sacrifice for us so that we could be made right with God. He became sin. He became the sacrifice. He took the punishment. He took our place. Listen, there was an incredible penalty that was put against us. The wages of sin is death. But it goes on to say in that same very verse in Romans chapter 6, it says, hey, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Are you thankful for that gift this morning that he is offering us? Amen. We don't have to pay the penalty. We don't have to pay the price. He paid it for us. It's kind of like this. Imagine that you were charged with a crime. You go into the courtroom, man, and they're just sitting there, and the prosecution has just presenting this case against you. And man, there's DNA evidence, and There's a blood trail and the blood matches and there's all these forensics and not only that, afterwards they just bring up eyewitness after eyewitness and I saw him and I saw her. I saw them, I was there. I saw them do it. Clear as day. And I mean, it's like this, this prosecution is just presenting this case and it is airtight. It is solid, right? Not only that, you know you did it. You know you're guilty, and every night you're just tormented. You know, hey, it's, it's not going to go well, and, and, and I know that I'm guilty, and, and there's, there's nothing you could do about it, man. You know that everything they're saying against you, every piece of evidence is absolutely true. And then here comes the judgment. Guilty on all counts. Every charge. Guilty. Absolutely Guilty. And then they come to the sentencing. 
And you're just waiting for them. You're waiting for the maximum. You know you're going to get all of it. But right before the judge proclaims the sentence, somebody walks into the courtroom and says, hey, the punishment, the sentence, whatever you're going to put on them, you put it on me instead. I'll take it. I'll take all of it. I mean, I'll, I'll take his place. I'll take her place. And, and not only do I want them uh, absolutely pardoned, not only do I want the sentence commuted, I want it expunged. I want it to be as if there was no charge ever against them. I want every piece of paper, every court document to be absolutely wiped out, to be shredded, to be erased. I want it to be as if they were never charged in the first place. That is what Jesus Jesus did on the cross. His blood pardons us, commutes our sins. It expunges everything that was ever leveled against us. We walk out completely free. Can somebody say amen? Our sentence is commuted. Hallelujah. You say that's not fair. It's not fair. But it is just and God is a just God. Because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. It is a free gift. It is the grace of God. And let me just tell you, I know what mistakes look like and I know what failures look like because I've made so many of them. But I know that I can fall on God's mercy. I know that I can fall on his grace. I know that there is forgiveness I know that I could put my head on my pillow at night knowing that I am guilty, but guess what? I am blameless before God. He does not look at me as guilty. He does not look at me as somebody who has to have to carry all this guilt. He looks at me as totally clean. He looks at to- me as somebody who has never sinned. He looks at me as his child. He is in love with me. He is crazy in love with me. He looks at me as a free man. Amen? Listen, I know, eight years old, at eight years old, I remember very clearly returning home from church on a Sunday night, and I got in my bed that night, and I tried to sleep, but I remember I was just overwhelmed with guilt. At eight years old, I I didn't have a a, a past. I, I didn't have, you know, this trail of mistakes and failures. But I knew at eight years old that I was lost. And I remember getting on my knees in that twin bunk bed. And I remember saying, Jesus, if you're real, would you come into my heart? Would you change my life? Let me tell you, at that moment he did. And the weight was lifted off of me just lifted off of me and I know that I can go to God at any moment and still say God I I, I blew it but thank you for forgiveness thank you for the cross thank you for changing my life 